You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We're back and we have a fun show for you guys today. We're talking about recruiting. The dead period is back. It came and went no. so fast. Say that so. I don't think USC's coaches or support staff are saying that because it was a blitz for them this month in I, June. I feel like all the coaches across the nation are like, True. you know what? A, a dead period's not the worst thing. Let's just get a couple days off and then let's get back at it. Yeah, but. I think I think they're ready for a dead period for sure. So we'll we'll recap USC's month of recruiting and some commits they picked up in the month of June. We'll also talk about what's coming up this week. Lead eleven, the opening. You've probably heard of those because those are the the big target ones. So we're going to be there uh, looking at some prospects. So we'll give you our uh, expectations for a packed uh, second half of the week. And then we'll talk about, speaking of the second half of the week, on Thursday, July 1st, name, image, and likeness. The floodgates are opening. Oh, no. (laughs) I know. So we'll talk about what we're expecting for that and what it means for USC in particular. Uh, Also, we got a bunch of little questions. So thank you all for tweeting at us and sending us emails. And then we'll we'll finish up with some take or leave it from Chrissy T, who hasn't spoken yet on this podcast. Two really quick points before we get into this. One, it is past my bedtime, so... (laughs) I have to build up my energy. You know, like when you bring a pitcher and they have to build up. Don't you fake baseball fan. Don't even. But you know, when you get a pitcher off the IL, you got to build them up. You got to build the strength. So that's what that's going to be me in this podcast. Gusto so, pills yeah. or time release. They're banned in the state of California now. <laughs> wow. And the second point is we did not get a lot of questions last time. and I was a little disappointed in that. But this time you guys really stepped up and flooded us with questions. And to be fair, Shotgun did tweet out last week the call for questions like 30 seconds before we went on there. So that <laughs> is a little bit more than that. Okay. 10 minutes, whatever. <laughs> so it's not all on you, but I appreciate all the questions that came in and we got some weird ones that I'm excited about. So you love the weird ones. I'm a weird boy and I love a weird question. You're a helium boy. You're a weird boy. You're a PG County boy. You're a lot of things. A lot of boys. <laughs> all the boys. Alrighty. Well, like I said, uh, the dead period is back. It's returned. I feel like there needs to be, like, vampire music playing. It's the zombie period. Okay. That works, too, I guess. Because it was dead, and then it was oh, not dead. It's back. Now it's dead. Again, it's back from the dead. dead? It's back from the dead. Because it was dead, oh and then it God. ended, <laughs> and then it's... way too confusing. It's the zombie period. <laughs> well, anyway, it was a blitz for USC and, I guess, college football I mean, as a whole. The zombie period... Like, he's back on it. He was like, no, 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 no. We're no, not letting The zombie period go. is an interesting name for it because of all the coaches right now are probably zombies. Yeah, they're all that. Because this month was a whirlwind month because it's been so long since they've been able to have any recruits on campus. 15 months. So it wasn't just, hey, we got to get a couple of official visits in. You know, some guys are going to stop by campus. It was every single weekend there were official visits. In between, there were official visits. And there were a ton of unofficial visits from younger guys that wanted to stop by campuses as well. So a lot of those coaches today are feeling a little bit like a zombie, you know, and looking forward to a couple days off, a couple days away from the office because they've basically been living there for this last month as, you know, a ton of of kids have come in to visit campus. Let's recap what happened since our last feud pod. USC picked up two commits and a transfer. Uh, First off is Jaden Gould, 
Did I say that right, Chris? I know you're the master. Yeah, Jaden Gould. That that's right. Okay, thank you. I'm gonna give you a, an eight point five on that. Thank you. In the spirit of the Olympics, uh, twenty twenty two four star cornerback from New Jersey state. We don't often mention the Jers. Uh, when we're talking that's about. Not what it's <laughs> Nobody calls it that. Sorry to all the New Jersey <laughs> listeners. The Jers. The Jers. Six two one ninety. He took an official visit uh, earlier in the month to USC, um, and he came in to that visit as a Penn State lock. Everyone thought he was a Penn State guy. No such thing as a lock. It's no true. such thing as a lock. True. Okay. Okay. Especially if you have Dante Williams on your staff. Is, da- is Dante Williams like the keymaster, like from the Ooh, Matrix? I like that. The locksmith. Yeah. He's just. I have seen The Matrix, but I don't know what you're referencing. He's just he's popping locks. You know. Chris and I just popped and locked it. <laughs> <laughs> what is USC getting in Jaden? He's a bigger cornerback, as you mentioned, six foot two, one ninety. Uh, some think that he could maybe be a linebacker down the line. He has that kind of frame, you know, like a Sua Cravens hybrid kind of type. Um, you know, he could just straight up as a straight safety. Um, I know a lot of people talked about like Chris Steele in that same sense. He's a bigger cornerback, could maybe end up in the back end. But right now, I think he's a good cornerback uh, or good for the cornerback position. Uh, he's an interesting pickup, you know, national prospect. But he is he has had knee injuries in this past. Um, I actually recall talking to him when he first got the USC offer about two years ago when Dante offered him. You know, USC was a dream school going up, growing up for him, and he had a great relationship with Dante. I think USC was always like a sneaky player for him. And then once they were able to get him on campus and close, you know, I wasn't really surprised that they Dante was able to go in and get a kid who grew up a USC fan because of Reggie Bush. Uh, we talked extensively about that, but I think it's a great pickup for them. Obviously, he's Dante's doing work with the cornerbacks. No one, no one should be surprised by that. And he's now the number one recruiter in the nation. The nation. The nation. That seems pretty good. Pretty good. That seems all right. <laughs> Do you guys know the last recruiter? I would assume T. it's T. Martin, yeah. Okay, that wasn't really... That was like, a, I could answer that with my eyes closed. That would be because of the Sarah faction, I'm sure, um, the way he mined that school very well. Um, Jaden Gould is a guy from Bergen Catholic in New Jersey, a school that USC has recruited from before. Obviously, the biggest name being Brian Cushing, who came over. The interesting thing that you talk about him being a cornerback, but the possibility of a linebacker, that's not usually a switch you see very often. But in this defense, maybe he lines up as a nickelback. If you think that he can move well enough in space, then you have him down in the box. He can help out against the run as well. And that's ideally the type of player that I think they would like to have in that nickel spot. You know, that nickel safety is more than a nickel back for them. So I think that they they would like to have a bigger body guy that can play near the line of scrimmage but also cover. I mean, that's an ideal type of uh, body type to have for for a defense and especially the way they use that that position right now so i think it's a big pickup for him it just continues usc's momentum recruiting nationally you know going out and going all the way across the country going to the northeast an area that's not known as a hotbed of talent so when you go in there you're fighting a lot of schools because if there's a national guy, then everyone's going to try to come in there. You've got all the local schools are trying to keep you know anyone from the Northeast in their backyard because they so often have to go outside the area to do, to do much of their recruiting. So when you go swipe one, that, that tells you that, that you're you know recruiting on a high level. Look at this photograph. Nickelback. You said Nickelback. So I sang Nickelback. I'm sorry. It's like the country version. No, I did it right. Back me up. Back me up. I think Shotgun's I, on my side in this spot. I'm feeling it. I don't even it. know where to go with that. Like, <laughs> I'm just thrown off completely by you just dropping some Nickelback lyrics. And he wonders you, why he's you, not an official member. You I'm just started saying. it. 
by saying Nickelback. It's not like that's not a position on the football field. <laughs> He's shrugging. Anyway, uh, I'm going to move on to USC's next commit <laughs> that they picked up. Uh, D'Anthony Gatson. He's a three-star running back from East Texas. Once again. I was about to say, that sounds familiar to you. That's also because Keontae Ingram and Darwin Barlow, the TCU transfer, also from East Texas. So apparently there's something about East Texas running backs for USC. I mean, they're not the only, that's not the only position from East Texas that yes, USC's going but after. specifically running backs. But that tells you that Mike Jinks is mining the area he knows best. You know, if you're from Texas and you struggle to recruit the last two classes in the, the running back position and haven't been able to get two running backs in one class, then what do you do? Go to what's familiar. Go to what's comfortable. And that's what he's done. He's gone. And, you know, I think him and Barlow are from the same Newton, high school or both same, from, both same from, city. Both from Newton High School, yeah. Same high school. So, you know, you know, obviously uh, a powerhouse in that area and putting out uh, running backs that USC has now got a couple of from. And they've, they've done some things with bringing in Ingram, with bringing in Barlow, where they've spread out the scholarships across that position yeah. to different years. So it's not like you're bringing in three guys that are all going to be in the same class. Um, you, you know, you're spreading out a little bit. So I think that's really big for them. Because now you have 2018, 2019, and 2021 filled in those gaps as far as the roster goes. Because I know it seems like a lot of running backs, but you have to remember who USC lost in Stephen Carr and in Marquis Step. Yeah, but Chris, what do you what do you think about him as a running back? What does he add to the mix of this group? He's five foot ten, about one hundred ninety pounds, good size for a running back. He's been he was very productive in his his uh, I believe his junior year, about nineteen hundred yards, twenty nine touchdowns. He's also a decent pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, not as prolific as, like, say, Brandon Campbell, but he is in that mold of, like, a traditional all-purpose back. Hits the hole really hard, tough runner. Uh, like I said, really productive at not exactly the biggest, you know, level of Texas high school football, Newton, um, a little bit smaller school. But, again, he doesn't really have, like, any verified track times. So you don't really know in terms of speed. But I think if you watch his highlights, he does have some big play ability. So, I think, you know, it's a really solid uh, across-the-board pickup for, for the running back room. I still think you sh- you, you need you want to get in another, like, dynamic kind of back, like home run hitter, um, but I don't think you're, you're going to be upset with what Gatson can do for this offense. And this is a question that came up, you know, when USC takes a couple of, you know, takes a transfer commit, takes a, you know, another Texas kid, both of these kids being from Texas, along with Ingram, they go, well, what about Relic Brown? What about Gavin Sawchuk? What about Javante Barnes? USC is still going after those guys. You know, Sawchuk did commit to um, Oklahoma. They now have the commitments of both Brown and Sawchuk. How does that shake out? USC has had Relique Brown on for what official visit? Just just hosted him. Just hosted him for an official visit. And an unofficial earlier. Yeah. So he's been on campus twice this month. So they're still pushing that hard there. He's obviously a dynamic player. You can use him in the slot. You can do some different things for him. So you could look at him and Javante Barnes. You could potentially still bring in both of those guys. And I think they would fill two different, you know, uh, buckets of what you're looking for out of the running back position. You know, you can use them in different ways. Barnes is a bigger guy. I really like his talent. I love the way he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. Relique Brown is just a type of guy that makes everyone miss. You know, he's very dynamic in that. And he had the whole family up. You know, he had, had his own child up here taking photos in, in the uniform and everything. So, you know, I think that they're really pushing hard there. And I think they're making some inroads, even though that was the early commit. You know, there was a lot of talk when he did commit to Oklahoma that 
this may not be done. And we knew that the entire time, and USC is still pushing hard for Leak Brown. So it's not like they've just gone to Texas and said, okay, we're done. We've got a couple of Texas running backs. We're not going to worry about anyone on the West Coast, in, despite the fact that there are some big-name guys that are available that USC is in the mix for. They're still recruiting those guys. They're still going hard after them as well. And Gerard just put out an article with Relique's dad, and he's pretty candid about the process, so make sure you check that out. Brown would be a really good compliment to Gatson, who – you know, plays out of like a wing T offense in high school and he's considered very physical. And I wouldn't, I, I don't want to say Brown is not physical, but he's kind of the guy that makes you miss. He has the, you know, those moves kind of like a joystick back, like ooh, ooh, get out there. But Gatson's hitting those holes hard. They're running every place. You know, it's coming. So you got to be physical when you hit that hole. So good physical. I, I said he was 190 pounds, but he's more like 200 pounds. So compact hits the hole hard. I think, you know, get someone who's more like Relique, Relique um, fits with the physical nature of Gatson. Yeah, I mean, Relique is more of a scat bag. He's a guy, like I said, that you can put in the slot. You want to get him in space and create a one-on-one matchup because he's going to make 85% of the guys miss. Yeah, the first time I talked to him, he was like, yeah, I want to play wide receiver in college too. So that tells you, like, where you can, wh- what you can do with him. You kind of covered it already, Shotgun, but what do you say, this is for both of you, what do you say to the USC fans who are like, why is USC picking up, quote-unquote, three-star commits when they should be aiming higher? I know they still are, but is this just an insurance plan? I mean, it starts as an insurance plan for sure. I'm, You know, at least, at least, let's say that. It starts as an insurance plan at least because you need to get two backs in the class. You struggle to do that. So even if you take a three-star, you're still aiming for those higher guys afterwards. If you end up getting – if somehow they flip Gavin Salchuk, flip Relique Brown, and Javante Barnes, Gatson would be out of there. They would take all three of those guys. You take the five-star guy, you take the two four-stars that are local or more local, and then they would leave the Texas guy behind. I, I believe that would be the case. Is that going to happen? I don't think they're going to flip you know two guys from Oklahoma and you know pick up another big four-star uh, commit there as well. So, But I think that – you you go and you get who you can, you know, the one in the one a bird in hand is better than two in the two in the bush. You, you got to take one now and you know see how the cards play out the rest of the way because it all comes down to winning in the end. One stone with two birds. Why are you trying to kill birds? <laughs> no, you kill the stone with two birds. You have to throw the birds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You take out a duck that way. Technically, he would kill a bird with a stone. He just made a shot at Oregon. See that? <laughs> Listen to the subtext of how we said that. Subtext. Oh, my God. Um, USC also did pick up a transfer since the last time we podcasted. Brendan Costello, uh, who's actually a SoCal guy. He went to San Clemente High School, uh, but he was from, or he is from, uh, Oklahoma State. He's a quarterback. He's going to be a preferred walk-on which is notable, but uh, Chris, you got the write-up on this story when it broke. Yeah, I'd heard USC had been interested in Costello for a while, like going back hard of the pandemic. I'd heard that, you know, there's been some communication, but obviously he's coming on as a preferred walk-on. He won't count against the scholarship, and I assume losing Mo Hassan, they really wanted to bring in just a little more a little more depth at that position because you also did – Lose Matt Fink, who, you know, I guess the word is retired from football, just want to focus on done playing football. You want He hasn't played a lot. Costello has at Oklahoma State. He redshirted. Didn't see any action, I believe. But he's still an older, more ex- experienced quarterback. He's been through a college season. 
He knows what's going on. Obviously, he still has to learn the offense, but I think it's a really good pickup. Bringing a guy, a local guy, uh, a dual threat at that. He was really, really active when running the ball out of San Clemente. USC loves those San Clemente quarterbacks. Um, unfortunately, it did not work out for Jack Sears, as we know. But they're trying to get it again with Costello. Just a little more depth. I think it's a good pickup. SC to SC. I mean, I think this is a huge pickup because you get a scholarship caliber guy. Now, he's a three-star guy coming out of San Clemente. Um, and probably not a USC caliber guy coming out of high school, but to add depth with that as a preferred walk-on, that's huge for them. I thought Mo Hassan was a great pickup for them, needing to add depth to that position. Obviously, he's gone down, but now to add in, you know, Costello, I think it is really big. Really liked what he did down in San Clemente. You know, he's a guy that's you know is a run first more quarterback than a little bit more than Jack Sears, a little bit more than Sam Darnold. So maybe. If you get in a bind, he creates a different look for you. You know, you maybe even throw him in there to sub package every, every once in a while just for something special, a special occasion, because he's going to do something different than the other quarterbacks on your roster do right now. Shotgun just put that in the minds of all the, the P users, and we're going to be answering that question for <laughs> nine years now. What's interesting is that there was another Southern California quarterback that actually started as a freshman for Oklahoma State, Shane Illingworth, if you remember mm, from Norco. Yeah. So, you know, he actually – so Costello got beat out by another Southern California quarterback in Stillwater. I had the tattoo of like a 30-year-old biker guy on his arm. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember. Big dude. Huge dude. Big old biker tat. Just like – probably had that since he was 12. Okay. What? I'm adding my I'm adding my POV. I'm adding my You're what nice. I know. I'm adding yeah. what I know. That's what I know. And, yeah, Costello, not that big. Not a, not a big – it's like six foot – Small guy running around, giving you problems with the legs. And another interesting thing that he is coming in as a preferred walk-on, because wouldn't it be just really easy to sell him like, okay, we'll give you the scholarship. Maybe they have like two scholarships they're holding for like a potential old offensive lineman. I know we're coming down on it. We're running out of time to pick up some portal help on the O-line, but maybe they're like, we're trying to save. Maybe we have two spots left. We're trying to save one, at least one. Maybe we got some guys we're looking at. We can only offer you a preferred walk-on spot. I think in this era of transfers right now, you have to save two spots. At least one, you got to have an emergency spot at all times. You yeah. never know when a Brew McCoy says, yeah, I made a mistake. I think I want to come back to USC. you got to have a spot for him. You can't be like, oh, well, wait, and you know, we'll see if we can clear somebody out. You know, If there's a senior that you know, we try to push push out type of thing and see if we can find a spot for you next semester. No, you got to have a spot available. Because you look today, there was an offensive lineman, I believe, from Illinois that hit the portal. LSU expected starting left tackle hits the portal today. That's completely out of the blue, completely random there. Now, I don't think that USC is going to be in the mix there. There's already some schools that are, are expected to be, you know, at the forefront. But USC should be immediately calling and saying, hey, we want to be, be a part of this. But he does have some off-field issues. There's multiple things to this that I find interesting. Not the fact that he has off-field issues, but uh, that is a red flag. But Jeff Martin, LSU, that's a, that's a window in. Valid point. If you look and you say, now you have to look, do the background checks. You got to figure out what exactly all those, you know, all field issues are. But starting left tackle in the SEC, expected starting left tackle, I think USC could probably use that. Yeah, I think they would be on top, jumping on top of that and trying to, trying to get in that mix for sure. And that's why you have to have those emergency scholarships. 
I mean, it's what Clay Holden has been saying. It's becoming a free agency market. Like you just have to have a spot ready because it's going to be just. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember who put it out. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah, but he said that every school right now should basically be should be similar to how the NFL is set up, where they have two separate departments. One is focused on the college players, focused on the draft, and the other one is focused on free agents. You should have at every college right now should have one group of you know recruiting assistants and staff being focused on the high school players and the prospects you want to bring in, but also. You got to have at least a couple guys focusing on the transfer portal and seeing, and you got to be able to meld that all together. But it has become such a big thing now with the fact that you can transfer once without having to sit out. And so everyone is jumping in the portal. And unfortunately, not everyone's finding homes, but there are still a ton of guys jumping in the portal that may have stayed before. Maybe someone like, not necessarily Dare Rosenthal, who's the, the left tackle from LSU, but maybe there's someone that's just. Yeah, I got one more year. I don't want to sit out. I'm going to, you know, and maybe I'm an in I think I'm an NFL guy. I'm not going to sit out a year. I'm going to go, but now that things are, you know, you can go and play immediately, they go, I'd like to go somewhere else. I'm not I don't like this coach or I don't like what's going on here, whatever it is. And so a lot more talented players are jumping in the portal, I believe right now. So you got to save spots and you got to be prepared for that. And I think USC has done a really good job of that so far this offseason. And I would say another development on top of that if you were to like have that separate group about the transfer portal you could combine retention too now you have to make sure that your players are happy once they get there it's not like a hey we signed you and peace out you're stuck you know you have to make sure that you're having good retention rates and guys aren't just hitting the portal because they have that power now everyone got an ejection button not just the coaches and you know what's interesting is you know that the, the the old saying is, you know, they, they love you so much until they get you on campus and then you're no longer a recruit. You know, they're no longer going to, you know, be telling you how good you are. I wonder how much that is changing now. That's what I'm saying. That is something that I know that USC has thought of, that retention is now a factor that they have to think about. But I wonder Obviously, if you're, a, if you're so. a position coach. You know, oh, he's gonna love you. You got, we gotta get you here. You're gonna do this. All right, you're mine now. You got to do it this way. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Now, it, do you have to soften that? You know, is it for old school coaches that are used to, you know, it's my way or the highway? You know, do they have to change? Is there going to – it's it's interesting. I mean, it's 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 created a new element in college football. As, I mean, as well as – I mean, it just feels like the last three or four years is just the, the game of college football is rapidly changing off the field. You yeah. know, there's been a lot of schematic changes since Chip Kelly and the, the blur offense um, and some rule changes to that. But off the field, there's just so many different things that are popping up over the last half decade. Recruiting is so it ha, it's so much more personal, and you have to be online so much more. And I think that's why guys like Urban Meyer go to the NFL. And if you're not a super player oriented coach, you're not. This college football is not as attractive as it once was because it's a lot of the power is shifting to the players at this point. And I think you're going to see a. I mean, there's always a lot of burnout in coaches. I think you're going to see even more because of how. 24-7 it has become, especially with the recruiting aspect. Yeah. Okay, well, to wrap up USC's June, what's your, what are your overall thoughts? Maybe a grade? I don't know. Pick your poison of how you want to evaluate how USC did. But this was a crazy month for everyone involved. When you have 15 months off of in-person recruiting, of course, it's going to be crazy. How do you think USC fared in this unique time? I mean, I love a good grade. <laughs> so His eyes lit up when I said grade. Grade. 
I love a good grade, and I I would give it an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Wow. Yeah, I can't go plus. Well, I can't because I'm a teacher's pet. <laughs> but, you know, you, you got a bunch of great quality visitors, official and unofficial, on campus. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't scraping to get someone on campus. You were selective with your visits because there were visits that were canceled. We talked about that. Great point. So you got some good uh, quality visitors. And then you came away with some with three commitments. I remember I did the over under four commitments for June. You guys did not hit the mark. Someone texted whoa, me whoa, about whoa. it. Do, do we count the transfers? Come on. Come on. You throw those in. Come on. We're over. Come on. Also, June's not over, baby. <laughs> she, she's right. June's not over. So I may have just cursed myself. You have a national cornerback commit. You have a five-star defensive lineman out of Georgia. And you got a, 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 a running back out of Texas, which running back, you have struggled to get commitments to that position. So that's a good trending point. I mean, I know you would have maybe fans would have uh, preferred a four-star recruit, whatever. We can go back and forth on that. But that's a positive sign. And then you you made a great impression with a couple of big, big-time names like uh, Christian Miller, who, you know, the crystal balls are trended towards him, and Gentry Williams. He's picked up a couple crystal balls uh, for USC. So I think you did what you needed to do this month. So I'm giving it an A plus. Shotgun, go ahead, poo poo on it. Do what you do. Give it a I'm give not, it a C plus. I'm not giving it an A plus. A plus means you get multiple five star guys. You know, maybe even the number one player in the country from the 2021 class. We'll get to that. We have a lot of questions about that. Um, but I think they they've done great. They've they've turned the corner. They've turned the tide. USC is back as a recruiting powerhouse. Now, I'm I'm not giving it a straight grade. I'll leave that to you, Chris. But I think that what they've done has been terrific. They have changed the um, opinion of the program. They've turned around all the thoughts and people going, I don't know about Clay Helton's job security. Uh, local kids being like, uh, maybe I should go out of state. Maybe I should be looking elsewhere. No, the hype around USC is back, and I think that's huge. Now, they've got to follow it up during the season. We, we know that. But what they've done during these offseason, everything that they're selling with the NIL, everything that they're selling with just, you know, the boulevard stuff and, you know, the branding that they're doing, it's made USC a, you know, uh, a hit place to be, one of the hype programs, a place that you want to go visit. And the fact that they're telling kids, yeah, sorry, we can't, we don't think that you're really that serious, so we're not going to bring you in. It's not just, hey, let's get a free trip to L.A., um, you know they're they're bringing in the kids they want, and they're also being able to sell and close. So yes, I think it's definitely huge strides there. You know, and putting USC back in the conversation as one of the recruiting powerhouses, a team that should be in the battle for you know definitely in the top ten, but in the battle for a top five recruiting class uh, by the end of the season. For some reason, on the drive here, I was thinking about where USC was at the end of the COVID season versus like what kind of the the zeitgeist is around it right now. And it's, I mean, if you think about our instant analysis while Oregon was dancing on the Coliseum field, it was not great. It didn't look like a good trajectory for USC. And then since then, they beefed up their support staff. Seems like they really showed out in this June uh, blitz. And, I mean, you're seeing articles that say, hey, USC is back to the old USC. And I think that's what everyone, every USC fan wants. For once, they had foresight. 
it's been so often that USC has been reactive, especially in recruiting. You know, they've waited and let, you know, the early signing period, oh, we'll wait and we'll be able to still flip some guys going into signing day. And in the early signing period, and they have to realize after a year or two going, oh, we gotta be we got to be on this as well. We need to be recruiting harder earlier. For once, they were set up, okay, we've got this dead period. Once it opens up, it's going to be a free-for-all. And USC was prepared to go from the get-go. As soon as the month opened, they were ready to go. They did, you know, as like we said, it was a whirlwind month for every recruiting staff, but USC was on top of it over and over again. I mean, the details to it. There were so many kids coming in and out. There were so many, you know, so much, so many more kids coming in and out for official visits. You usually don't get this many official visits in this compact of a schedule. You may have the, you know, the um, the barbecue or whatever your junior day that you have, and you have a lot of kids there. But it's not the same type of thing. You don't have the same amount of detail. You're not selling them on your playbook and you know how exactly they fit in. The details they had, though, from the smallest things like knowing that Mateo Uangalele is you know produces beats and stuff, and having his beat playing and dancing to it. I talked to him a little bit about that over the weekend, and he was you know he said that was really cool to see that they you know recognized his music and knew about it when he came, and that was on an unofficial visit. Those type of details are, you know, that USC had the foresight. That is so different from, I reported in the war room, I don't know, a year and a half ago about Justin Flo, about how some of the people with him just felt like USC was kind of resting on his laurels and saying, look at all these past greats and not looking towards the future. And I think that they had did a tremendous job of having the foresight going into it to know what exactly was going to and going to happen and how compact and you know how crazy this month was going to be, but being prepared and ready for it. And that starts with you know the athletic department adding those extra people into the into the department to to beef up that recruiting staff and having them ready. And USC, the fact that they were able to tell some kids, you know what, I, we just don't feel the same energy we're not going to bring you in for this visit. I think that tells you how far they've stepped forward, um, that they were prepared for things and also have gotten to the level where they can tell kids, you know, not right now, maybe, maybe later on down the road, but not right now. And that foresight, I think you just have to credit Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna in general, because not only did they have the foresight to beef up support staff and get that all off the ground, they had to really recruit people for the recruiting staff, mm-hmm. but also and we're going to talk about this, but name, image, and likeness. Yep. That's something that USC traditionally would be way behind. I mean, we we saw with the early recruiting period that USC didn't know what to expect and was kind of like, oh, it passes by. Now we know what to do next year. You know, and that's that's so something we would have seen with this June. And the fact that, like, they didn't have control over when JT Tuimaloao decided to take his official visit. So you have in the middle of this June month, you have a full official visit weekend, and then you have JT coming in on a Monday. Like, you're just not stopping. You're going, like, 100 miles per hour. And so, I mean, you have to give credit to this staff because, I mean, you have to be prepared and on your P's and Q's in order to have the month that they did. So often in the past, we talked about, for at least a decade, leading up to 2020, that recruiting class that was terrible, everyone would say, you know what, US, it doesn't matter, USC recruits itself. For once, USC didn't have to recruit itself. The recruiting staff was recruiting for the school, for the program, 
and it was you know being able to sell the program and everything that is going forward with the program rather than just resting on what has come in the past from USC. Since I mentioned name, image, and likeness, let's just roll into that. July 1st is a noteworthy day because after years of talking about whether or not uh, student-athletes can profit off of their name, image, and likeness, that actually is going to start, at least in six states. So where there is legislation already in place in states, uh, that will come into effect July 1st. So it's going to be really interesting to see what we see just across the landscape of college football on Thursday. Do we see just rollouts of personal brands, deals? What I'm really curious what we see. Um what are you expecting, I guess, as a, as a whole? I think it's going to be a big day for Kane Protein. <laughs> <laughs> but Amon Ra's already gone. He's in the NFL. So? <laughs> Just, you're missing the assignment, Chris. I think I'm hitting the assignment. I'm, I'm, I'm actually so in on the assignment that I actually have a couple of pitches for a couple <laughs> players oh for NLI... Uh, Sponsorship. NIL. I got to get that down first. (laughs) But I got a couple of them. Uh, Drake London, British Airways. That's pretty good. Well, I don't know why the Brits would care, but that's pretty good. Because it's London. No, no, I know, but he's just. This one's for the deep diving fans. Uh, Liam Douglas, Buku de Beppe. (laughs) What? She gets it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure if I don't get it, then our listeners aren't getting it. His name is Meatball? His nickname is Neat Beatmall. You are correct, yes. <laughs> He's so disappointed in himself. <laughs> he really like, is. Oh, my God. Uh, Miller Moss, Miracle Grow. That one's just... That one's just right there. <laughs> Why? Moss. Last name is Moss. Oh. Always look at the name with Chris. Yeah, I'm sorry. Those are just... Some, those are free. If any if any players want to DM me, we'll, we'll make it happen. Well, the, it, that obviously Jackson Dart has to either be part of you know some... Some darts competition. Yeah, there's no like darts. there's not like no famous dart company. But any any niche sport has very good sponsorship actually, because think about any I don't know if you flip through and you see cornhole or you flip through and you see I mean hockey you know you see use I don't even know what the company is but UCE is a company that does hockey equipment. I saw someone randomly in the airport they had a use bag I was like that's a hockey player, no doubt, and. Like if you're in a niche sport, then there are certain companies that do that, that create equipment or that produce equipment, and they will have, you know, obviously are going to have sponsorships. So Jackson Dark can get in with a dark company, or with a archery company. Also, just like low hanging fruit, Cortland Ford, Kyle Ford. It's right there in the name. Yeah, I think everything's in the I name. Dodge guys, is, is what I'm saying. I think Dodge is definitely going to be interesting. Unfortunately, I don't. Th- <laughs> obviously, Miller Moss isn't old enough to be like it's Miller time. <laughs> Valid. Oh. So a couple years down the line, that will be a viable option. No, for he him. can ask. You know when Miller time is? Three years. <laughs> That's good. Thanks. How I'll be waiting on this. Or they do an, a, Or they do a non-alcoholic beer. That's your guy. Boom. Miller Moss. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a lot of possibilities, and we're making you know a lot of jokes here and, ma- and making fun of the, the whole process. Not jokes. <laughs> I said we're. I didn't say that was you, Chris. There's multiple people in this room. Yours are never jokes. I know. I know. 
It's okay, buddy. It's okay. I'm tapping him on the shoulder just to make him no, feel better. <laughs> he didn't touch me. There's like four feet between us. Don't lie to these people. Don't lie to these people. Air taps. Air taps, buddy. Yeah, don't There's lie to them. Fake corporate sponsor <laughs> originator. Anyways, we're making fun of it, but it is going to be very interesting to see how quickly things change. Do they change? Are we going to see a lot of announcements happening? Like, you know, is it going to be commitments? Are we, is, it, is, is Thursday going to be commitment day? And we just see people putting out commitment posts. Three stripes, no interviews. Man, Hayes Fawcett and the other guys that make edits are going to be really, really busy. Or maybe these corporate sponsors can actually get they someone. They have real edits. I don't know that anybody from. If they're your new ambassador, brand ambassador, they're going to make you a graphic. It depends on how much it costs. I mean, how much you're you're spending on them. Is it selling out if he has to make a Jimmy John's edit for Gentry Williams? Is that selling out? <laughs> is that where the bar is now? Just like. I don't know. Domino's Pizza. Is that where it is right now? Also, I'm curious to see if this becomes like NASCAR. If you guys have ever watched a NASCAR interview and they they drop six sponsors in the first 15 seconds of the interview, I'm just really thankful for the Havoline, you know, Pennzoil, you know, the the Goodyear tires were terrific today. Like, and they just drop that accent. Yeah, of course I. When they bring Keaton on in the post game interview, does he come up with his Gatorade? Yeah, does he put a Raising canes. Or so, yeah. I'm trying to think of Arizona things. <laughs> That's him biting it after. <laughs> a tinder. Do, but does that happen? You know, you see it in the... There was this back and forth about... I think it was Kawhi Leonard that was, like, moving the Powerade bottle or the Coke bottle or something. Cristiano Ronaldo. Is that, I don't remember who... There was, there's been a couple athletes that have done that in post-game, and, like, you know, it's the sponsor of the event, but it's not their personal sponsor. So do we see a USC player and there's a Dasani ball of water? They move that out of the way and put up a, you know, a monster energy drink or something. These are all things that I'm fascinated to see. And it's going to be interesting to see how it changes, how it develops, what type of money. When we see some of these contracts that come out, if we see some of the money on them, how much are some of these guys getting paid? You know, is it a, you know, a thousand dollars for an appearance? Are there going to be appearance? There's been a underground kind of thing where you know big name athletes can go to the the local where the, I, I don't know if the Nino does this but the local bar out near a campus they get in for free they get in to pass the line you know that's not a big deal but they get free drinks as well because they're going to bring a crowd with them so are you going to see this now on paper are you going to make an appearance fee are you getting appearance fees for showing up at the the you know campus bar or whatever cuz they know you know if Jameis Winston was coming in to the, the bar, then everyone else was going to be there because he's a Heisman Trophy finalist. I don't know if that's the same with Christian McCaffrey going into a wine bar in Stanford, but maybe. Maybe it is. Uh, but in Tallahassee, there definitely was a, you know the big party vibe, and everyone's following you know the, the quarterback to, to where he's going. So those are all very interesting things that I'm curious to see if that all is above ground. And that's, that's what this whole thing is about, is that players can get paid above board instead of under the table. So how does that change things? Or does it just kind of – the things that were going on under the table now become above board and it pretty much is the same as it was? Well, here's the interesting part. Florida State specifically stated that donors cannot be a part of NIL um, things, but they don't define what a donor is. So it's like – it's just – I feel like it could get muddy, obviously. Anything with this type of stuff is going to get muddy, but it's it's – 
and it's worth mentioning that the NCAA basically punted and said, hey, schools, you figure it out for yourselves. Yeah, so one of the, the NCAA's D1 council on Monday voted to recommend this for, I believe they're going to vote on it on Wednesday, uh, that they would suspend the NIL rules from the NCAA, at least for an interim policy for right now, because this is coming up and the, there's six states that are going to have uh, laws that go into effect on July 1st. So the athletes at schools in those states would it would just follow the law in those states, whatever the new law is. Athletes in states where there's not a law at schools and states that there's not a law, they would follow any school NIL rules. Now, what exactly does that mean? I don't know exactly. You know, it could. You know, is each school going to be different and have their own rules? I think every school is going to try to make the rules as lenient as possible so that their players can, you know, go out there and and feel and future prospects can come in and you know feel like that they can advance themselves and and make money uh, while they're there. So it's going to be a really fascinating thing. I'm also curious to see what things are out of bounds with NIL. You know, can you do alcohol or you know sales? Can you do CBD stuff in, in LA? Pens. Yeah, you know what is what is going to be considered out of bounds for players to to make money from? You know, that's going to be curious to me. So, just going back to your point, do you know how you keep it from being muddy and cloudy and stuff like that? Well, you have a great lawn. <laughs> and with our new miracle grow. Save okay. your, your ads <laughs> for later. Look, I'm just, if you're listening, I got ideas. Hit me up. I want to get off this show. They're not, they're not paying me anything. I'm not getting any of the cuts. Um, y- neither are we. Get, help me. Let's make, let's make a deal. Yeah, since NIL is coming up, if anyone wants to sponsor the Family Feud podcast... We're not student You mean athletes. we would sponsor them? No, if anyone wants to sponsor the Family Feud hey, podcast... we will sell out. Exactly. I've been dreaming about selling out for years. <laughs> Someone give me the opportunity. <laughs> Sorry, Keely, go back to your point. No, it's fine. If you will indulge me for two seconds, okay. I have weird crossover knowledge that I want to add into this. All and right. Chris knows this because... I uh, used to be really big into beauty YouTube. But the interesting thing, and I, I'm saying this for maybe like the older people who don't know how like influencers have kind of like mm-hmm. risen up in the digital space, but brands figured out a couple of years ago that if you invest in a single person who has a large social media footprint, you will get much more engagement and views and like personal interaction with your brand rather than just having a blanket sponsored ad. Because if someone is personally saying, Hey, this mascara is amazing. And you watch them on YouTube, the sales drive up immediately. And so I'm really curious how much money is going into this. Because if you think about ad revenue and marketing budgets, there's a lot of money in there because ads are expensive, but it's so much cheaper to pay one person and use their engagement and their followers to spread what you need. And so with the beauty YouTube community, it was a lot of money in the beginning. Like they poured money into it because it really affected the sales quite instantly. And so I'm curious how much that's going to impact this because if you are a brand trying to impact 18 to 25 year old males, what better like conduit than someone a fo- like a college football player who has i mean keen Silvis has twenty five thousand followers on instagram if you put something in front of his followers i'm sure you're gonna have more ad sales so i just think it's interesting i think there could be a ton of money especially for the more prominent players because marketing budgets are 
huge and like they can what is maybe huge for marketing is going to be bigger for the individual person you know what i mean yeah it's, it's going to be a targeted ad you know it's very you know there's social media influencers you have you know people that are on reality tv shows that have made a ton of money and a lot of their money doesn't come from their appearances on the reality tv shows it comes from all the sponsored stuff that they do outside of it and i think you're going to see that basically with, with college football players if you can influence if you're a mississippi i went to mississippi state 14,000 people in, in there that's that's what a, it feels like a third of the state in one spot you know so if you can influence that many people at one time in a location then you're definitely going to do that rather than you know putting a, a a billboard up or something that people may may or may not drive by so it's going to be a much more targeted ad there but it's also going to be interesting women's basketball they have many of the players have much more followers than even the top, you know, the Evan Mobley's, the Cade Cunningham's of the world. You know, they because they have they're bringing in different demographics than the the men's basketball players are. So I think it's interesting to see if we see some of the women's uh, athletes, if if some of the female athletes, if we see them start getting some big contracts and taking off. And you know, it's also going to be interesting. How much does this affect the play on the field? You know, how are, are you worried about, oh, am I getting my sponsorship money? Am I getting this? You know, and if, if you're not making plays on the field, you're going to be less marketable. That's always been the case. So how quickly do things change? And you're going to get stressed out. Yeah, it's going to add another thing. And, you know, that's life. <laughs> I'm interested in seeing how it affects, like, team dynamics. Good point. Like, that's if I point. see, like... I'm just going to use the example because obviously Keaton Slovis, obviously I think a lot of people are going to want to make deals with Keaton Slovis or whatever. But, and if you're like the second string backup defensive end and you're just like not getting anything, you're seeing all these other like star players get all these contracts and all this like exposure and they're making money, they're making money. And how, how, what does that do to the team when you have a locker room full of like people making money and people not making money? Obviously you want to work, you, you want to work, to get to that position, but it's like, how does that work? I mean, and that's the interesting thing. Sorry, cutting you off. Everyone wanted to jump on this point, baby. <laughs> everyone slow down. Everyone slow down. I there's there's been so many recruiting articles that I can't remember where it was in and who said it, but someone a recruit said, "Hey, NIL is great, but you have to be good for it to pay off." So like, it, that's the interesting point. Is like that's a big selling point. But if you're like you said, four string, you, you punter, do, but you also. Does this change where guys want to play? What positions? Oh. You know, because... My short and stocky safeties. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the NFL, the left tackle gets paid a lot. Is your left tackle in college going to get paid a lot? You know, is Elijah Vera Tucker big enough name to get more money than Keaton Slovis? No. So then, is there some animosity? The, that was what I was thinking when you started talking about, you know, the teammate dynamic the guy blocking for that quarterback, how does he feel if the quarterback – and it, it all comes back to the personalities of players and if you're rubbing your teammates the wrong way. And right. that's that's always – there's always a dynamic of that in the locker room. But now you have a chance, especially with 85 players, and depending on how many guys are getting – that's going to be really interesting to me as well. Is it going to be three or five or ten guys you know, getting some sponsorship? And even if it's only 500 or you know $1,000 or something, or is it going to be – you know, some company's going to come in and want to blanket the entire team. And like, hey, we want to give $1,000 to everybody. 
type of thing. It, you know, is everyone going to get a little bit of money, or is it going to be a select few that get all the money? That's going to be you know fascinating. But then the dynamic of the haves and have-nots in the locker room, how does that affect the team dynamic? You know, is you know your guys that maybe you do get paid for an appearance at a club or something in L.A. and you can bring three friends. Well, who do you bring? Do you bring the right teammate? You you create a. You, oh there's God. so many things. It's so fascinating. I'm I'm so interested He's to giddy see over what, here. Yeah. I know. He's giddy to watch a team crumble. Not necessarily a team <laughs> from crumble, the inside out. but it's like I like dynamics and seeing how people react around each other, and this is going to create a whole new dynamic to it. What's also going to be fascinating? <laughs> another thing to be fascinating is those are the behind the scenes shows. You know, basically you're your QB one or your last chance you type of show, you know, they've done someone Notre Dame. I know ESPN did something with Ole Miss. If they give it and give you the full story, there could be some really interesting things behind the scenes. How much do the university show the dynamics between players and this, because as they're trying to sell to the next group of guys, the next group of prospects, a lot of different things. It's going to be, it's a whole new world basically for college football and college athletics in general. Really quickly, let's go into Elite 11 and the opening that's going to happen later this week. And then we'll jump into our boatload of questions that we have. Elite 11, opening. So what's different this year is that normally this is not in Los Angeles. The Elite 11 has been in Los Angeles before. There are regionals for the opening. But this is the closest thing to the opening finals that there will be this season because of the pandemic and you know the, they weren't able to do everything exactly the way they normally do. Uh, so they, in the past, the opening finals have been in Oregon and then the last couple of years have been in Texas. So that's the best players in the country coming in this year. That's, you know, the top you know, 100 to 150 players, every position this year, it's just a seven on seven tournament. So we're not seeing the linemen come out, but it will give us an opportunity to see some of the out-of-state players. We're going to see USC. The biggest one for us to see will be Devin Brown, the USC commit. We haven't really seen him in action. Blair Angulo, I believe, and, and maybe Brandon Huffman at one of the, the pylon camps in uh, Nevada, I believe they were the only ones to have seen him since I saw him as a freshman at Queen Creek in Arizona. Now he's at Corner, uh, Corner Canyon in Utah. You know, following in the footsteps of Jackson Dart, who was there last season. So it'll be interesting to see how much, for me, it'll be interesting to see how much he's developed in a year and a half or two years since I saw him last when he was a freshman. And it's been pretty notable, the development. Yeah, what I've heard. The Harrell evaluation early. The Harrell evaluation has looked really, really well, considering that he offered him when he had thrown more interceptions than touchdown as as a young guy. Obviously, that's not... A huge knock because he is a young guy, you know, starting at varsity level. But he has gotten better and better every every year. So that evaluation, he trusts Harold trusted his evaluation, and it's going pretty well. He's now a four star in the composite. After this weekend, if he shows out in the Elite Eleven against against some you know higher ranked dudes, he could be a consensus four star, getting that bump in the twenty four seven rankings. And I talked to him uh, last week, and he's really excited. He's really enjoyed these last couple months, you know, getting the Elite 11. He's going through the transition of transferring from Queen Creek all the way out to Utah to Canyon Corner. Um, He's really enjoying this process right now, but he's just really excited to 
get out there and compete with some of the guys that are you know ranked higher than him. He wants to prove himself going up against some of these these higher rated quarterbacks. So that's always a good mentality you want to hear from your quarterback. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does uh, over the course of this week. Yeah, and USC has a history of quarterbacks being in the Elite 11, uh, most recently with Miller Moss, and I believe Jackson Dart was in it last year. Can't remember, uh, can't confirm that off the top of my head. But, you know, this is this event brings in normally brings in the best players in the country. They fly them out, they take care of them, a lot of gear, a lot of free stuff. They have players come out and speak to them, everything. A little bit less talent this year, unfortunately, because of just the – unknowns with the one with the dead periods and everything there's just a lot of difference this year and I think they're going to get back on schedule next year but it's going to be a little bit different primarily just a seven on seven event they will have the elite 11 as a separate event but then the elite 11 quarterbacks transition over to play for the opening teams so we won't see all the best players in the country but it's also an interesting thing to see there's a lot of Southern California players that are going to get their opportunity to play against a, a lot of players from around the country. And we'll get to see, you know, is USC, you know, they've been recruiting a lot nationally. They've been recruiting guys locally, but ha- haven't been going really hard on them, haven't really been driving for those commitments like they have some of the out-of-state kids. So it'll be interesting to see some of the kids that they haven't fully gone in on. And maybe that's because they there's been so little evaluation in California this is a great opportunity because the coaching staff will see all these clips. They'll be posted on various recruiting sites. They'll be posted on the opening site, I believe, as well. So they'll see the one-on-one matchups. They'll see some of these seven-on-seven, and they'll get a chance to you know, get a better opinion of some of these Southern California players when they're playing against national guys from outside the area. So the Makai Lemons and, and the, the C.J. Williams and you know Keon Burnett's supposed to be in at USC commit. Damani Jackson, the, the cornerback, we'll get to see him go against some of the top receivers in the country. So it'll be a good opportunity to see how this Southern California group stacks up against uh, some players from outside of this area. I mean, Chris, this is the first like marquee event, I guess, recruiting event since COVID. It is a marquee event, but it still doesn't feel like we're still getting back to normal with the traditional opening and stuff. So I think it's like a, I don't know, it doesn't feel like the full opening to me. So I'm like, you're a little jaded. Not jaded, just like I've never been to the actual opening, like the full time one where like they're all wearing open opening vapor strike and <laughs> rattlesnake blood and, uh, <laughs> and killer snap or whatever. I don't know. Would they have the you know the they take the the pictures up in Oregon, all that clean stuff? This doesn't feel like that to me. There's no O line battles, so it's just gonna feel like just like a normal tourney. It's just gonna feel like a normal tournament. Just with a bunch of like bigger names. That's all it feels like. Well, you will have all the best quarterbacks basically in yes, the nation. That that is nice, but we're only gonna be watching one, so you'll be filming one. I'll be paying attention. I want to see what Quinn yours no, looks not. like. I want to see what some of the other guys around. Oh, the you want you're gonna like. get a shot of that flow. Oh yeah, you want a shot the of mullet that flow. flow, of course. Um, but also we haven't seen Damani Jackson go up against some of those wide receivers I talked about locally. You know, go against T Mac, go against Mikhailim. I'm. I would love to see those matchups. That's something I'm looking forward to as well. I know there's some cornerbacks from outside the area. There's some wide receivers from outside the area. But when those Southern California kids get matched up, the kids that USC is already looking at, I want to see what happens in those because we haven't seen Damani going up against those guys recently. Yeah, we we hope to see, you know, modern day play Servite at some point. (laughs) Have you seen it recently? Uh, Well, 
No, but like. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. I didn't go to the Survive Modern Day game, so. Exactly. Did you? I don't know. I just think what you said didn't quite make sense because they play in the literal same league, but. We haven't seen it recently. Okay, okay. I see what you're saying, but also don't Mikhail see what you're Lemon saying. doesn't play. Los Alamitos has not played Modern Day. We would have seen it if Los Al had won their turn of the bracket. No, we wouldn't. Damani Jackson wasn't there. Mikhail Lemon versus T Mac, we would have. A wide receiver versus a wide receiver? Thanks. He was he's playing, playing deep. He was playing cornerback. So he's not one of the top he's, cornerbacks he's, he's in the nation. Everything. He's like He's not one of the cornerbacks, top cornerbacks in the nation, is but he? But he was still playing cornerback. He's an athlete. Yeah, and again, would have seen. The Helium Boys. No, I want to see Damani Jackson against those dudes. It's okay. We're going to make up later. <laughs> we're going to cuddle later. It's going to be fine. <laughs> oh, how uncomfortable. I have not made. Shotgun gets when he says I've made that. no agreements to that. Well, on that note, time to dive into some questions. Are you all ready? I'm ready. Fine. <laughs> First one up is from Gustavo. Who says, which players do you think could declare for the NFL draft with a strong 2021 season, excluding guys like the Drakes, Keen Slovis, and Isaiah Polamau? Oh, oh, why I, are we excluding like the I, answers we're going to give? I knew you were going to have an <laughs> issue with this. It's a little limiting, Gustavo, I will say that, but maybe the, the dark horses. Uh, all right, Gustavo. we got to reword the question a little bit better. No. Who, I, who's the second tier guys that could declare for the NFL draft? Nice maybe maybe something like that. Askers. Gustavo has been asking questions for That's a long fine. time. Yeah. The Drakes, Keaton Slovis, Isaiah Palmau. Does that include Steele? Uh, Chris Steele. Yeah. No, he's not included in this. But he's a guy that could. I, I think you're looking. I mean, he's a guy who's planning on declaring after this year. True. He already said that. That's on record. He gave up his number already. So that's my, that's my answer. Keontae Ingram, maybe? He has an extra year of eligibility. This feels like a, one of those super easy uh, multiple choice. And there I'm could like, be a lot of players. And I'm like, Chris Steele, that's the answer, baby. Circle on that B. Let's move on, baby. That's it. I remember that one on the the prep report, the practice test. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that went. You make a point. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. Uh, we got a tweet from Here Come That USC fan uh, who's had – Multiple questions for us. First one, what's the three-year forecast for USC football in your guys' professional opinion? He actually has three questions, so let's start with that one. God, I hate the three-year, five-year questions. Well, you hate hypotheticals in general. Well, I've had significant others try to ask me, where do you see us in five years? I'm like, I don't. Okay, that's it. I'm His done. His name is Chris. You can address him <laughs> by name. Where do you see the Helium Boys in five years? Let's I talk don't. about it. You just walked out of the room last night when I tried to bring it up. <laughs> I said, I'm going to go eat lasagna and watch House Flipper. It's like, talk to me. Talk to me. Don't do that. Talk to me. How can you do this off the top of your head? It's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. Okay, sorry. Goodness. Here's the thing. Three years. A lot, a lot riffing. A lot. Just a, just you said rifting. Rafting. Riff rafting. River rafting. <laughs> can happen in three years for USC. A lot. There's so much could happen because so we've much. seen so much happen. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Just go back to the beginning of what the the year they were preseason number one to Sun Bowl to Kiffin having a black eye at the Sun Bowl in a sombrero to I mean, Lane Kiffin oh, being fired. Sark. Oh, Helton? and then Sark. Like, I mean, come on. 
It's crazy. I don't think we anyone could <laughs> properly forecast. I mean, think of all the FBI investigations that can go on in three years. Oh, goodness. Let's not say we did. <laughs> His second question, what are the expectations going into the season, and does this year feel any different? I think there's high expectations. You know, you got to the championship last year, albeit it's a weird season, but you still have Keaton back, questions at O-line, a lot of talent. I think the ex- expectations win the South, get back to the Pac-12 title game. Those are the expectations. Anything less feels like a letdown. I'm going to agree with, with what Chris said there, and I'm going to stop being so much of a jerk about the, the question. I hate hypotheticals, but I think the three-year forecast for USC, I think you are seeing that they are investing in the right things. They are moving in the right direction to put this program back to being a powerhouse program. Do there st- Could there still be changes along the way? Obviously. So, you know, but they're making all the right moves now. The question will come, can the head coach get them to that next level? If Clay Helton can't do it this year, can't get him at least a Pac-12 championship, I think he's out after this year. And then it'll be a question of who comes in, how, does this, how do things change as far as the fit there, and, you know, just you know what the new coach is looking for in the program. What's funny is I feel like every year, preseason, under Clay Helton, we say the same thing. It's the same expectations, the, hey, this is what they should do, we actually this is what they can let, do. Actually, stop. And stop or no. Let's, who knows what they will end up doing? Let's just record it and then just play it in every time we're asked the question. <laughs> the exact same thing. It's like it's like a, a minute of us talking about it, and then we just plug it in whenever that question comes up. Sure. Well, well let me go ahead and say, well, it depends on the offensive line. You know, the off- if the offensive line plays well, then the offense, you know, can go to new heights. That was shotgun from twenty fifteen, <laughs> in case you're curious. And Sixteen and seventeen and eighteen yeah. and here comes that USC fan also had a third question for us. Do you think Mike Bone feels the pressure to win games and keep out of town five stars from decommitting? Yes. Uh, everyone feels the pressure of, of trying to win games when you're in a competitive environment like an athletic department is. That's not just the football program. That's with multiple sports. So um, Mike Bone is not just going off golfing or anything like some other ADs might do. So he, he's been in the mix with everything, and you know I don't know that he feels the pressure to keep an out-of-town five-star from decommitting necessarily, but to keep an in-town booster from decommitting that, that is going to give a lot of money to this program, yeah, that, that could be much more the case. What he said. Esoteric Simpleton has two questions for us. First one, have the portal arrivals and deportures been a net positive or a net negative for the Trojans? What are deportures? Did I say that? Deporches. <laughs> is that a new word for the portal departure? Tell those kids to get off deporches. <laughs> get off my deporches. Goddamn southern boys. Get off the porches, goddamn yard, get to playing. Stoop kid. <laughs> There's a lot of weird energy. It's a lot of We're weird getting energy. that, that uh, delirium uh, high or whatever when you just. Yeah. Where's oh, the, qu- the question. I would say it's a net positive. I think she's gonna ask the question again, right? Oh, or no, no. we're rolling. Okay. We're rolling. I think it's a net positive. I mean, we don't know what some of these transfers are gonna look like. Ishmael Sopcher, I have no idea. Uh, Malcolm Epps gonna have a role. I don't know. Katie Nixon, will he have impact? We don't know yet. So I think it's wait and see. But right now, I would say net positive. Yeah, I think it's a net positive. I mean, obviously, the biggest name on there is Pali and Itiote. You know, losing a former five-star, former top ten overall player in the country. However, he hadn't made a big impact at USC. 
So you don't feel like that there's anyone that USC has lost. It's not like you're losing a Drake London or a Keaton Slovis. You haven't lost someone that you were really counting on next season and has been producing for you. Like some schools have lost some players like that. And I think there are some interesting players that are coming in. One guy you didn't mention that I'm very intrigued to watch, and I think I've said this a couple times, but it's Taj Washington, the wide receiver from Memphis, You know, a freshman All-American. What kind of impact can he have when he comes in? How does he fit in? Where does he fit in with that group? I think that's really interesting. And Ishmael Softshire is the other big one. USC, especially after the loss of Jay Toya, he's the guy that they need to step up and the injury to Brandon Peely. So he's one that they went out and they addressed areas where they had lost some players and they filled some holes. So they've done a really good job and they've lost some 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 nice pieces. But I think they've really filled holes with the the guys that they brought in. So I think it's definitely a net positive. Second question from Simpleton. Drake London has to be the favorite to lead USC in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Who do you predict will finish second in those categories? I'm going to rapid fire these. So don't come back to me. (laughs) Taj Washington receptions. Brew McCoy for the final two receiving yards, touchdowns. There's some solid choices there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See, Where's your boy you, Gary Bryant? I said what I said. I'm not. A, it's he said no follow up. No follow up. No more questions. Where's your boy Gary Bryant? No you more have called him out as the guy that you expect to be in that mix Respect multiple times. Decisions. No, I'm still calling. He's you. not when even you, looking at when you. you. <laughs> when you tweet out no interviews, please. I'm still calling. More <laughs> follow ups, please. <laughs> I think those are all very good picks, and I um, would not be surprised that that's the actual case. Plus one. Plus two? Not sure. King Camby says, is Reggie Bush running out of the tunnel to start of the season against San Jose State? Stanford? Do they wait until UCLA? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Chris just now tweeted, no follows up at Shotgun Smiling. You understood the point. Now you know when we were recording if you want to go back and see the tweet. I brought up this question on Take It or Leave It, Reggie Bush, season opener. You both said no, so I'm also going to say no. Not San Jose State. I don't think Stanford either. I don't feel like UCLA either for some reason. So I'm going to say... What's his work schedule look like? (laughs) I think that will play a big part into it, actually. It's interesting, though, because I don't think I was anticipating 100% capacity. For 2021. Valid point. And that is a thing now. I don't know. This is like a take it or leave it. I can't can't decide. I don't think it's San Jose State. I don't think it's Stanford. They wait all the way to UCLA? Question mark. I think it, like, again, I think it would depend on his work schedule. And if Fox comes and has their big game or whatever, then I think that becomes much more of a possibility then. True. If it's even feasible for him to get from the set to back there, I think it would be. It's not very far. Johnny Five says, who's the next commit? Chris, you have a piece called Who's Next? I currently have, if I'm like gun to my head, next commit, Christian Miller. Damn it. You can, <laughs> have, this, you can have the same one. Fine. Johnny also asked, will USC sign two top 100 offensive line recruits? No. He didn't specify like a year, ever. Ever. If it's ever, then I guess yes. But in 2022, no. Yeah, I'm going to go with no just because of their recent track record. Until they actually show it, I'm not going to believe it's going to be changed. I think they'll sign a four-star, but I don't think it'll be top 100. Hmm. 
You're very like specific about that. I'm I'm zooming. <clears throat> Good. I'm proud of you. Chris tweeted at us. Not you, Chris. Even though you did tweet at us. I did tweet us. at Shotgun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will USC average 45 plus points per game this season? No. Yes. I'm so tempted no, to ask you why. No. And then 45 points is a hell of a lot of points True. to average for a season. True. Will they get above 45 a couple times? Yes. But will they average it now? We got multiple questions from multiple people about Sir JT Tuimaloa. Oh my goodness, he's been knighted? Yeah. King Camby, <laughs> Sir JT Tuimaloa. The first five star prospect to get knighted in the 24 7 rankings. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. You get a little sword next to your name. Exactly. Um, but the question is is it the Trojan sword? Dun, 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 dun. Because they all asked, where does USC stand with JT Tuimaloa? So, interestingly enough, he was scheduled to go to Alabama, but canceled that visit and is going to focus on Washington, USC, Oregon, and Ohio State. And right now, it sounds like Ohio State and Oregon are in the lead. Yeah, I would say USC is outside looking in. Brandon Huffman had that comment on a local radio show up in Washington that he's like 98, 99.8% sure that JT will be on the field for the Ohio State-Oregon game. So it's Brandon Huffman. So, yeah. <laughs> Take it to the bank. I would just say that the sword that he gets from his knighthood oh <laughs> would not be would not be the USC Trojan sword. There you go. Also, just to tack on to what's happening this week, apparently a decision is expected by the end of this week. So stay tuned for that one. A long time coming. I mean, USC's chances got better because he didn't go to Alabama, but they got worse because it doesn't sound like they're going to be the bank. Where do you address this a little bit? But Andrew asked... Is Ishmael Sofshire expected to be a full participant when camp opens? Right now, he's still rehabbing, so I don't think he is full speed yet. He's on the path. So con- to condense Keeley's answer, no. I See, with things like that, I just I want to see it and believe it because he got surgery on both of his legs for his compartment leg syndrome. So if you go under surgery like that, I, I definitely want to see how that rehab goes. SC and SG said, who will replace Jay Toya on the defensive line? Is Big Lick big enough to take that spot? Will SC be able to stop the run? Well, it's supposed to be Shopshire, but as we just said, it's sort of up in the air right now. I don't think Lichtenstein is big enough. I think he can play there at some times, but I don't think you want him in there the whole time. He's going to take that personally. He's going to put on like 92 pounds <laughs> of muscle. Okay. Just because you said that. Look, he's going to pick me up and shoot me like a javelin. Yeah over Howard Jones Field. But, look, I'm all in on Big Lick. I like him better on the outside, but he is versatile enough. He could play inside. He's super strong, but I don't think you want him there all the time. I think he can fill in there. But I think it's more so going to be on Jamar Sakona and Kobe Pepe to kind of step up in that role. So those are my my two picks. Obviously, you want Sopcher, but I'm feeling towards Sakona and, and Pepe as the ones that we really need to focus on. This is quickly becoming the biggest question mark on the defense. Um Lichtenstein, like like Chris said, can fill in. But if he was the starter there, then the offense would be predicated on running directly at him and forcing you know, the action right at the middle of the defense, which you don't necessarily want. You want those stout defensive tackles to be able to take up blockers so that then those linebackers behind them can run and tackle and make plays at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage. Um, whereas Lichtenstein... He's quick and can get by offensive linemen, but he's not a guy that you want just holding up the point of attack. You want him attacking more. 
LA Fred sent us a tweet that says, if the Pac-12 eventually goes to an eight-game conference schedule, do they also follow the SEC and ACC lead with adding a cupcake FCS home game as the additional out-of-conference game, except for USC, to keep the D1 opponent only intact? I, mean, I think... Go ahead. I think so. I think you'll see that as it moves more towards, you know... Uh, as the playoff expands, better chances to make the playoff for for the Pac-12. So I think you're going to want to see they'll boost those those schedules up. Um, but obviously, you want to see your marquee programs like USC and I guess Oregon, who hasn't shied away from big games, to kind of keep those big marquee matchups early in the season. I think it depends on you know how things kind of continue to play out with the playoff expansion, and if you see a lot of the Georgia, Alabama, those type of programs, if they are scheduling marquee games, then you have to keep up with them because if they have two losses and you have two losses, but they played you know, an extra marquee game plus they played the SEC schedule, which right now is, is considered much better than the Pac-12 schedule, then you're not going to get in over them. So it, it will kind of depend on how those things are playing out and how the scheduling, you know, what the teams that are making the playoffs, how their schedules kind of look. And hopefully the Pac-12 will be out in front of it. They've done a good job on the basketball side of you know of scheduling and the conference making it a concerted effort to help the program schedule a little bit better to help their RPI and help some other things. So hopefully the conference is looking at that and looking out for the best interests of the entire conference and the teams in the conferences to to be able to help schedule and help uh, identify trends that will help the teams get to the playoff better because obviously the Pac-12 ain't been in the playoff in a while. Got Southern for that. Well, the SEC, we in the playoff all the time. I don't know what them Pac-12 kids over there doing. <laughs> I don't know where that accent even came from. See? It just comes out of nowhere. Mrs. That may be a – no, that's probably a Louisiana one. We got an email from Randy who said, what is more likely this year, USC making the playoff or Dogecoin reaching a dollar? Thanks and love the pod. Dogecoin to the moon, baby. I don't know anything about cryptocurrencies. We got a fun one from Cam who said, if you three could be a superhero, who would you be and why? And I just want to pat on the back because I almost had an answer that would have spoiled things for Shotgun, so I previewed it and didn't say it. Thanks. I was always enamored with Wolverine. The ability to heal, so and, and just having adamantium claws is pretty badass. So and you're you can be pretty grouchy like him. Yeah. Oh, I would be Spider Man one hundred percent because he's a great mixture of like he's very strong, one of the strongest MCU characters outside of like you know the the ultra strong people, super strength, Spidey sense. Just an overall athlete with his uh, super agility and uh, dexterity and gymnastics ability. You know, flip, obviously super smart. Invented his web shooters. You sound um, like you're talking about a recruit right now. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Five star Peter Parker. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's you get you get you get a great mixture of a bunch of different things: smart, super strength, uh, dexterity, the whole nine. Chris only likes him because he's a little guy. He's just a little guy. Chris, I believe you received an email personally. It wasn't personally. It just got lost in the... Because this person has, like, protected tweets. But this person... These questions come from uh, Casey underscore Mongo. That's their Twitter. They're actually the husband of 
one of my girlfriend's friends from high school who is a huge fan of this podcast. And I'm always like, Shouts if you're, if, you're to huge, you. if you're a huge fan, sending questions. Why don't you send in questions? Shout, <laughs> shouts to you. If you're real, you know how to holler G unit. If you real, if you real, you send in podcast questions. And he fulfilled my request of getting oddball questions. So thank you, Casey. Special shout out. If you were a potato, how would you want to be prepared? Chris Cott fry. <laughs> a waffle fry? That's yeah, that's you want what to be I'm a waffle thinking. fry? Mash me up, baby. Ew, you're lumpy and gross. I'm great in a food fight. <laughs> I don't want to be left in the ground. <laughs> I want people disturbing me. Okay, baked potato it is. That's what you get. Uh, the second one is what conspiracy do you want to start? Conspiracy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that shotgun is actually bald. Oh my god, I was just gonna say that. I was just gonna say that he wears a hat because with hair attached to it. Yeah. I mean people legitimately think that. When they see your headshot, they're like, That's he has a great hair? one. That's a great one. Thank you. You guys can start one that I don't have knees. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's it. I'm not gonna give any more context. Do you have lower that. legs? I'm not gonna no give any, I'm not giving any context. Okay. I just don't have knees. So if you guys could yeah, those are the final two questions from Casey to wrap this up. Shouts so, to Casey. Appreciate it. A little mashed potato over here. Well, you're tossing it back to me just so I can toss it back to you, Chris Trevino, for some take it or leave it. Oh, yeah, we still do that, right? Yeah, even though if you're still listening to this super long podcast, congrats. I was really ex- I had this idea for this partnership, and I really wanted to announce it last week, but Shotgun wasn't here, and this one needed to be done in person, I feel like. Oh, I heard about or, this, yes. Or I just wanted to do it in person. Uh Guys, we all covered that 2016 USC season, right? We did. That wild first Sam Darnold year, yeah. What's the first word that comes to your mind when you think back to that 2016 season? Rose? Hotel? All right. Well, for me... (laughs) Wait, hold on. Hotel? Yeah, because I was in a hotel watching the game from Texas at the All-American Bowl Mm. instead of being at the ridiculously awesome Rose Bowl. Well, for me and a lot of other people, it's movie. That's why today's corporate sponsor is the mighty Netflix. USCFootball.com is partnering with the Flicks to produce a docu-series about that crazy season. It will be a completely accurate representation of the season, multi-episodes, a reenactment. So we will be played by actors, and everyone involved in that season will be portrayed by an actor. It's going to be great. That includes us as USC beat writers. They're going to be telling our story through their perspective. We weren't wow. working together at that time. I was we also were, a student at the time. Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be great. We're going to get the college aspect. We're going to get his point of view. We're going to get my point of view. So we have some of the cast that we're ready to release. You guys ready for this? Oh, so ready. I'm going to be played by Michael Pena, of course. <laughs> Makes sense. I get that. Keely, you've been cast as Hillary Duff. <laughs> Why? Like, hold on. Disney Channel movie Prime Hillary Duff or Hillary Duff who's had three children Hillary Duff. Hillary Duff has had three children because that's who they would have to play a teenager. Fine. Ryan will be played by Luke Wilson. <laughs> okay. Uh, Gerard will be played by Vincent Ofrio. Some of you may know as Kingpin and Daredevil. Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio, sorry. <laughs> sorry, also, Vincent. Law and Order Criminal Intent. Yes. Is he in Fantastic Four? No. You're thinking of Michael Chiklis. Oh, I am. I'm sorry, Gerard. Shotgun will be played by Wyatt Russell. Who's that? The new Captain America. Son of uh, 
Kurt Russell? Kurt Russell. Interesting. I don't approve of this. No, that's a perfect one. Sam Darnold would play by Jack Rayner. I don't get any of these references. It's horrible for me. Dan would play by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> In the role of a lifetime. <laughs> Deontay Burnett would play by John David Washington, Denzel Washington's son. Oh, nice. And Clay Helton will be played by Paul Giamatti. <laughs> That's a pretty good fit. I thank you because, wait, you're not thanking me. I didn't, the casting agent did that, <laughs> not me at all. So take your Saturday nights, clear the schedule, and leave your worry behind when you watch Season of Roses, only on Netflix. Wow. Netflix, don't worry, it won't be like that Trojan War shit. <laughs> you guys excited? Is Adore Jackson playing Adore Jackson? Adore Jackson is playing Adore Jackson. Perfect. Sweet. Okay. Perfect. That, yeah. That, yeah. I'm on board now. Yeah. Who's playing Juju? What? Who's playing Juju? Juju is also playing himself. Oh, perfect. Okay. No one, no one can play those two. That's true. That's yeah. a good point. Straight up. Oh, I, I can't wait to see when Juju storms out of practice and Adore has to go bring him back in while practice continues. Feels like a lifetime ago. Wow. Hello. <laughs> Dante Williams will finish as a top three recruiter in the nation. Take it. Take it. Though I wonder if if he's going to have to move on to different positions because right because he stacked is, the cupboard he is, already he is stacking his cupboard he only has a couple more spots if he even has that I mean they just keep bringing in more and more talent at those positions but question he, my question is like he's the primary recruiter for Kevin Green like does it count if he's just the primary recruiter or is it only pure, per his no, position it's, it's primary recruiter. Per, primary oh, recruiter okay so okay. yeah we'll see if he jumps on some offensive linemen or something USC fans would be very excited about that. Couple preseason All Pac-12 lists have come out. USC is averaging about six on the first team, so I'm going to stick with that. USC will finish with at least six first-team All Pac-12 selections. That is the official conference list. I'm not talking about postseason, right? Yeah, I'm not talking about AP or PFF. I'm talking strictly conference six. The conference is always wonky. That's well, like a hot topic on this, well, this podcast. Well, this is your job to pick. Leave it. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to take it. Keaton will get it. Drake London will get it. And there'll be like four defense players to get it. Drake Jackson. Oh, Corey you, Foreman for... Does like, does like Pac-12 freshman All-American count or whatever? Pac-12 freshman of the year? Uh, I will count that, yes. Okay. Then maybe I'll take it. Ben Griffiths. Sneaky. I'm legally required to not mention <laughs> punting anymore. Just mention his name. You don't have to mention punting itself. Anything related to the task. This question is excluding Keaton Slovis. Excluding Keaton Slovis. Sound like Gustavo over here. The first SC player to announce an NIL deal will come from the offensive side of the ball. Leave it. Leave it. Corey Foreman probably already has something in the works. Does that even count? Yeah. He's enrolled now, right? That counts. Yeah. Summer classes. Taking that. Okay. Isaiah Mobley's recent performances at the NBA Combine have pushed him into definitely leaving. Ooh, this is a tough one. Because he will definitely be drafted now if he leaves. However, if he comes back, how high can he push his stock if he continues what he showed at the draft combine where he's hitting three-pointers off the dribble, playing ridiculous defense. He, his wingspan was measured at 7'3 for a six foot nine guy, I think it was, is what he measured at. So, you know, he's going to have a spot in the NBA. This becomes a very difficult decision, I think, for the family is to decide, is it worth waiting and, you know, going as a first-round draft pick 
or being a somewhere in the second round, maybe he bumps up in the late first round. If he comes back into the same thing that he's done in the NCAA tournament and in this draft combine, I don't know how high his stock can go, but top 15 does not seem – lottery doesn't seem out of the picture. Now, is it top three, top five? I don't, I don't necessarily know that it will be that. It will just depend on how much his game continues to develop and how you know he – you know, changes the weaknesses he had in this game, the free throw shooting, the couple of, of things there. Uh, but he could come back and he would be the centerpiece of the offense. He would be the feature guy that USC, you know, builds everything around. So if he did that, I think his stock could continue to soar up. So it makes it a very tough decision for the family, I think. Um, so I, I don't know where to go on this one, to be honest. Do you think that. Uh, is he teething it? He's teething it. He's teething it. He's teething oh my it. God. Mr. Hypocrite. This always happens. He doesn't get a movie reference. It's fine. He teased it. It's fine. I'm just saying, you're annoying. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But my my question is, it's kind of a unique circumstance in the fact that you have Evan, surefire top pick. Does that weigh into, hey, I want my own moment and I'm going to come back and then go? And have my own draft process that's not related to my brother, you know, because they're always going to be mentioned in the same, you know. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that could play into this, and like I said, I think it's it's a family decision because do you look at it and say, "Hey, Evan's getting paid, and he's going to get paid a lot of money, so I don't need to wait around and make sure that I get more money." But if the difference between being a second round pick and being a first round pick, being a lottery pick, isn't just money. It's that you're the investment that has been made in you. Um, you're a guaranteed spot if you're a first round pick. Uh, whereas second round pick, that's not necessarily the case. You know, there's been there's a lot of second round picks that get cut from the team. So now I think he would make a team and like he, he continues to progress, and that's the big thing. And that's the thing, same thing that we've seen for with Evan from his high school days to when he first got to USC to the end of the season. Both of those guys, they put in the work. They continue to progress. So that's why I think if Isaiah came back, he could be a star next season for USC and build, boost that stock up. There's always the injury risk. There's a lot of other things that could play into it. You could look at the draft board and say, hey, Evan's going to go to Houston or I can't remember who's two and three and four, but he's going to go to one of these three teams. It Does it look like Isaiah might could end up with one of those teams in the second round or late first round. They have another pick. Is that a possibility? There's a lot of different things that could go into it, which is why I don't know um, how how it would play out. You must say now, I shock and Spratling. I'm not saying anything that, that you're trying it. to get me you to say. You have to. No, I don't. You have to. No, no. You do. Nope. If he's teaming it, you know I'm teaming it. So, Team City USA. The final one. I don't know if you've noticed, but USC has this cool little mini series called Kicking It, where they have the players talk about uh, sneaker culture and like their favorite sneakers and stuff. They're like a minute long. They've done some with a couple players already. Just had one with Jackson Dart. But I like it. So I'm going to pitch two new ones. You have to take one. Okay. Uh, tat it up. Players talk about their tattoos, what they mean. Pretty simple. Or streaming it. Talk about what songs they're listening to pregame, like what they like to listen to pregame or what have you. Tat it up. Yeah, tat it up. It's something that I've actually wanted to, yeah. to do a series on oh, in the past. we talked about this. All right. Now we're going to move on to the fun ones. Don't have that many. Keeping it short. Uh, fans are back in sporting venues, so take it or leaving the wave. 
leaving it. I literally left it on Thursday. I could have been a part of it, and I left it. There you go. It, returning it just in general, it just in general. Yeah, I was watching some Euro Cup. A lot of good waves going on. I take it. Oh, you're a wave. I'm you're fine wave? with it. Okay, I, people see, get so mad at the wave, and I'm like, it's fans are just interacting. Here's the thing. Hold on. So if the wave's coming to you, big wave, you're doing it. Sure. Most of the time. Most of the time. And you're not. You're sitting there. Here's the thing. Grumpy. This is when I assume the like seven-year-old sports fan mode, and I'm like, I want to know what's going on. Stop screaming in my ear. Stop this. But I don't want to hate on other people having fun. So it's just like a personal thing. But sometimes I'll do it because... There are times when the wave should not be done. You know, bases loaded, full count. Shouldn't be the wave going on yeah, distracting. Yeah. But... Yeah. Also, baseball, there definitely should be the wave. People are always complaining about baseball having the wave. And I'm like, baseball is a long game. You're just chatting with whoever you're with. What if you're the person who came alone? Do you want the wave to come by? Give me something to do. Boop. Yeah, for 10 seconds. <laughs> Give me something to do. Boom. Okay. Uh, taking or leaving the ex- existence of UFOs. The military released their UFO report, and it was basically like, we don't know what they are. Here's the thing. The the acronym is Unidentified Flying object, object. That is a thing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's an alien-related thing, which I feel like you're implying. Pure semantics, so what she said. Oh! Sorry. All right. I'm not going to alternate that if you guys want to. What do you mean? Do I think there's other life in the galaxy in the universe yeah there probably is you're taking it well if you watch marvel movies maybe you'd have a better idea yeah i I think there probably is it's a very large universe galaxy and all that i'm gonna say is that i wouldn't be surprised that they're not stopping by so we're messed up (laughs) okay might just be viewing viewing from a distance let's stay away from that yeah and finally wedding prop bets I saw this on Twitter. Someone has prop bets for their wedding. For example, will the bride or groom cry during the ceremony? Will the bride or groom refer to one another as their best friend? Will the ring bearer flower girl go rogue during the walkout? (laughs) But this is someone whose wedding it is. is creating these. Yes. I think that's fascinating. Um, Bride uh, entrance over under 60 seconds. Take it. I'm taking it. The bride entrance, I mean. Oh, he's taking the over. He's taking the over, <laughs> baby. But people get nervous and walk really fast on Nile. Will the father of the bride shed a tear? Take it. Always take it. Yeah, that. that's what I'd say. So um, you're, you're taking we, props. We took, like, I'm taking the prop bits, yeah. I, I think that's that's fun. That the person did it themselves, and it's not wedding crasher style where we're betting in the pew. No, it's part of the... I would also take the betting in the pew as well, on which scripture is being read. If the bride and groom are like a part of it and okay with it, then I'll take yes, it. Yes, it's part. But of I don't. The I just don't want like making fun of people during their wedding. Oh, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> so okay. you'd be okay if we made prop bets for your wedding? If I had a wedding, sure. Over under pigs in a blanket, shotgun eats. <laughs> take it or leave it. Shotgun raps at his wedding. I would. Take I it. would take it. I would take it. That's all I got. I wanted to point out from a take or leave it. I got a message. From our take or leave it from last time, I believe it was take or leave it. it may have been the end one, but someone said that they were listening to the Family Feud podcast and that we brought up cereals, the conversation about cereals. Okay, 
It was controversial, my take, apparently. It was an and one. It was and one. I know. So before we potentially get to an and one this week, I wanted to point out, someone said that I brought up the Sour Patch Kids cereal, and they said they wanted to let us know, Chris, who's a, a friend of mine, said, well, my daughter made me buy it for her, oh, and no. let me tell you, it was disgustingly bad. Oh, no. He said he had to throw it away once he realized his daughter wasn't going to finish finish it either, so... Wanted to throw it out out there. I said, Good to know. I said, much appreciated that that someone actually pained through the Sour Patch cereal. To which he responded, "Imagine eating Fruit Loops with milk and lime juice. You would think the sugar oh. would overtake the flavor, but nope. But they're sour. <laughs> they're sour. This oh. is the, the feedback I love. Came. Thank you. I love Fruit Loops. Yeah. Okay. That makes it, that's a great description. I now totally can taste it. So Chris, thanks for thanks for sending that information uh, about the Sour Patch Kids cereal. What a terrible man idea. on the man on the man on the ground. Yeah, boots on the boots on the floor. I also didn't realize that like people were like very sensitive about their Wheaties. Yeah, Wheaties are good. Eh. I should have known. Sports podcast people love their Wheaties. So with that being said, I won. Whistle noise. You need a whistle noise. Can you add a whistle noise? <laughs> I keep getting like more and more sad when I say it. It's not, it doesn't have like <laughs> yeah. any gusto anymore. Yeah. I'm just like, I won. You gotta watch the NBA playoffs. I won. Come on. I won. This is another food related one, but oh. what was the weirdest stuff that you ate as a kid or like liked as a kid? Oh. Everyone makes fun of me for this, but I used to eat uh, ketchup sandwiches. That's good. And I would put ketchup in celery. That's not good. <laughs> what? Crunchy, salty water. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a perfect delivery system for the ketchup because you can't just squirt ketchup in your mouth. That's you like insane. Totally good. But like if you squirt it in the little gutter of celery, <laughs> the crunchy, of crunchy, salty water. <laughs> Crunchy, salty water. And think y'all think it. what I eat is weird. Yeah, you eat orange by the apple. What? Orange by the apple. <laughs> you eat an orange like an apple. Yeah, I eat the skin of an orange. It's oh, gross. my goodness. Yeah. That's not a thing I knew existed. I just bite into an orange. I eat pretty much the entire fruit on most fruits. Not banana peels, but pretty much. Not banana peels. <laughs> if you eat an apple from the bottom instead of from the side. Apple bottom, baby. Then you can eat straight through the core, too. It's not a big deal. So is that, the your, the seeds, is that your answer? I guess. I mean, I still do that. You have the <laughs> digestive track of a horse when it comes to fruits. <laughs> Big know, horsey. Big horsey over here. <laughs> you know there's nutrition in the entire fruit, not just the part that people think is good. I want Shotgun to be a recruit now, just so... <laughs> Get, 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 the sad, get, the, get the get the sass, sass around. Look at this big horsey. Give me, look at the, give, give me this apple. Look, look at this big horsey. Eat this down. You're gonna be so impressed. Like big, big horsey. Take it from take it from my mouth. See now it's more Ergeron. 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 I lost the Clay Helton years ago. <laughs> it's just Ergeron. A mistake that I tried when I was a kid was since we were speaking of cereal. Ran out of milk. I'd already pulled the, poured the bowl of cereal. Oh, no. I tried it with Kool-Aid. I was like, I like Kool-Aid. I what like cereal. The cereal. I don't remember. It was probably like a Frosted Flakes or something. Oh. I thought, like, this will be okay. It'll oh, be shotgun. Fine. It was oh. not okay. Oh. It was not okay. Oh, shotgun. Maybe, like, Fruit Loops, you can get away with that, but, oh. It wasn't, it wasn't a good oh. idea. You know, you, you win some, you lose some. I, I can made see some, how it would make sense, though. I made no, no, some I see, random. Like, in your kid brain, I yeah. see how it makes sense. 
Yeah, it didn't work. Also, one other thing that I did to my sister, we used to have popsicle things. So you just pour Kool-Aid in it, you pour orange juice in, you make popsicles. Oh, no. I poured pickle juice in one. And I was like, oh, it's a green one. I got made a special green one for you. Prank. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Well done. Nice. I used to eat, uh, you know, like how you can make tortellini? They come in like the little package and you put them in the boiling water. Mm-hmm. I used to eat them raw. Just like raw tortellini. tortellini. raw. Yeah. It was actually really good. <laughs> I low key would eat I don't it. Think so. I don't think it's bad. I was shamed for it as a child <laughs> by my family. So I've. Don't you have to pre-cook that stuff before you can sell it? So I think so. I think that's why they let me do it. But I just apparently go some sneak people. The some people eat tortellini. ramen. I know. Like they it's crunch weird. it up, put it in, and you eat it like a snack. Okay. Never ate ramen. Never been a ramen eater. Seems like a shocking meal. Yeah. Just because I'm poor doesn't mean that <laughs> only ramen. No, it just seems like something you'd be like. A lot of Easy Mac. Ramen and orange peel. That's a breakfast of champions right there. Mm-hmm. Never been a ramen. Forget Wheaties. If you're listening to this right now, I want you to tweet at us right now. <laughs> what is weirder, that he eats the peel of an orange or whatever the fruit he's eating or the ketchup and celery? Okay, that's it. That was and one. And one. Well done, Chris Shavino. Thanks. <laughs> Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up for a very long pod. Not when you get done editing. Yeah. Some of your rants will be cut out. You actually weren't very ranty this time. We'll see. Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast. Have a happy 4th of July, everybody. Be safe. Be great. And if you see, I'm sure if you're at a barbecue, you'll have that veggie platter out. You'll have the celery. You have the ketchup right there with the for the glizzies. You know, try it out. You know, maybe maybe go out of public. He maybe go in the bathroom or like hot behind dogs a bush. Glizzies, just for everyone who's confused, including Shock and Smiling. Yeah, it's a glizzy. It's a DMV thing. I'm a glizzy boy. I'm glizzy McGuire. Oh my god. I mean, for Thanksgiving, you did like request that people do something. I forgot what it was, and we actually got a tweet about it. So maybe we'll get yeah, a tweet the, of celery the and ketchup. Pie. It's a long shot, but we'll see. Crunchy, salty water, baby. Don't try it. Don't knock it till you try it. Don't, don't try, try it. It's correct. The second time you've done that. It. Don't try it. Don't knock it till you try it. Don't try it. <laughs> Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Chris. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next time.